Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Enlightened investors, glad to be back with you today. My name is Dr. Alan Lomax, and it's a pleasure to be with you as we look at an adventure of one young investor of buying real estate at the age of 20 years young. And as we go through that, we're going to share some of those in-depth experiences. Bailey Kramer is a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and he bought his first property at the age of 20 years old. And now he focuses his time acquiring and managing Airbnb properties. So Bailey, so glad to have you with us today. So start us off by sharing a memorable experience that helped shape who you are today. Absolutely. Thanks again, Alan, for having me on. Super excited to be here. I would say memorable experience, just a memorable moment. First thing that popped in my head is the thing that shaped my mindset to just think bigger. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably 10 to 12 years old. And my family and I were out on, on our boat just enjoying you know, the water. We, we lived in Florida at the time. And my dad would point to this big, big yacht and say, Bailey, is that, you know, is that what you want? And I'm like, dad, bigger, bigger. So I, I just kept going bigger, bigger, bigger. I had no idea how much those things even costed back then. And that's not really my dream. I don't really care about boats or yachts today, but it's just like that, that mindset of I can do bigger than that. I can do better than that. That was probably the most memorable thing that shaped my mindset today. Well, a good a good aspiration there. So uh, <laughs> even though that wasn't really what you were interested in, but it was just the idea that that you can do bigger and you can do better. And you certainly did start out that way at 19. You purchased your first real estate property. Take us through that first experience. Yeah. So that first experience, we'll take it back a little bit. I was in college at the time and kind of with this vision of just like thinking big, thinking big, I made it my goal to not have to get a W-2 job after college. So I just knew I was going to start some business in college that was going to carry me on afterwards. I had no idea what that was until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's my sophomore year. And that was the thing that introduced me to real estate. So read that book, spent a year just literally networking with people, learning. I, I call practicing, like doing the motions, but not really getting anywhere. And about a year and two months later, I finally bought my first property, which was a fix and flip. This is when I was a junior at 20 years old. Wow. Impressive. Where'd you go to school? I went to the University of Central Florida. Oh, okay. Is that where you're from? Is Florida? Born in Florida, raised in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting uh, trajectory. Most people yeah. don't go from Florida to Wisconsin. It's usually <laughs> exactly. the other way around. <laughs> exactly. So you ended back up in Florida and bought your first property there. What kind of property was it? What kind of deal was it? How'd you get into it at 19 years of age? Yeah. So, so this property is actually in Illinois. So when I mentioned that I spent the whole year, like literally just networking and learning, I met a ton of different people, had a lot of trials with people in terms of like, I would do stuff for them and nothing would really pan out, but it was a great learning experience. So after a couple of those, a couple months and like literally a year later, I found somebody, joined a mastermind group first, met someone in the mastermind group, said, Bailey, listen, I have some experience, but I can't find deals right now. Do you want to help on the lead generation side? And I was like, I don't know what that even means, but I have a lot of time, time on my hands as a college student. So yeah, let, like, let me know what you want me to do and I'll do it. 
So him and I ended up building kind of our lead generation system and which was through calling and texting, mainly vacant properties and properties that had, had high equity. And we'd call, we'd call. Took a couple months after we started working together to finally land our first one. That first one was a fix and flip deal. Bought it for 80 or 85, can't remember which one, and put in 35 or $40,000 into the rehab. Ended up selling it for 175 or 180, I want to say. Well, excellent profits on that particular deal. Was your partner in Illinois or were, were either one of you in Illinois? Yeah, so he was local. That, okay. That's what gave me the confidence on the local senses. Mm-hmm. He was already there. Where in, in Illinois, where he was, it's only about an hour away from where I am in Wisconsin or where I grew up in Wisconsin, even though mm-hmm. I was in Florida at the time for college. So it wasn't some like random, totally random place to me. I had some idea about it. And him being there gave me a lot more confidence with it too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was a fix and flip endeavor. But you have transitioned to short-term uh, rentals and in yeah. terms of the acquisition and the rehab and so on and so forth. I'm sure there's some similarities. Take us through that, uh, Bailey, in terms of that first fix and flip. And how did you move from that to the short-term rentals? And why did you make that move? Yeah. So between February of 2021, when I bought that first fix and flip, to April of 2021, so literally just like two months later, we bought four properties total. And so things were like, it took a long time to get it going. And then it started like, we got this one on a contract and this one's on a contract. It was like, holy moly. So the the first four that we had were all, well, two, two were fix and flips, two were long-term rentals that I still hold today. And then we were like, okay, well, we clearly have something going with this lead generation thing. Let's keep it going. So we kept it going and found a motivated seller, just like we did for the other ones. Except this time, this house was really big, was way more money than any other house we've ever bought. It needed more work than any other house we, we bought. And it was just like a whoa kind of house. So this was, it was right on, right on a lake, had a main house, had a guest house, full tennis court in the driveway, like a wow. huge driveway, tennis court. Like I said, right on a lake, two, two acres, eight plus bedrooms. It was, it was just a massive house. And we said, okay, we had a, we had a motivated seller on, on, on our line that we got through cold calling and texting. We knew he wanted to sell. We said, how can we make this deal work? And we're like, okay, first, is it, can, can we fix and flip it? Because that's what kind of what we have done. So, so we're like, could we fix and flip it? Yeah. Yes, we could absolutely fix and flip it. But do we want to take that big of a risk? This house was, the owner wanted like $780,000 for it. Plus another, you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of rehab at least. We're like, do we really want to be banking on selling this thing for a million bucks? No, we were just scared and you know, beginners at that time. And then so we said, let's just not do the fix and flip route. And we said, okay, could this be a long term rental? Like it could be a long term rental, definitely desirable. But is that really the best use for it? Yeah, the numbers pencil out, but you know, maybe that's not going to give us the best return. And then we said, okay, well, what if we made this an Airbnb, short term rental? So we had no idea anything about Airbnbs, but we went on Airbnb.com, looked up houses nearby. We noticed that our next door neighbor, or that the next door neighbor of that house, was an Airbnb. We noticed that it was like smaller than ours. We knew our location was better. We had more amenities with the tennis court and stuff like that. And we said, okay, what if we can just do... So they, so we looked at it and, and his, our neighbors was renting for $1,300 a night. And we said, okay, wow. Well, if ours is bigger and better, let's just assume we're going to get less than he's getting just for it to be safe on it. So we said, okay, if we can get $1,000 per night, how would this, how would this do as an investment? 
So we ran our numbers at a thousand dollars a night and we said, okay, looks good to us. And pretty much just jumped all in with not really knowing anything. We kind of just went for it. And that was the, that was a gateway to the short, to short term rentals for me. <laughs> to, to short term rentals. Well, I mean, it sounds like a beautiful place for a short term rental with the lake, the tennis courts, eight bedrooms, lots of, in lots of flexibility in terms of the range of guests that you could have uh, renting the place there. So, is, so this is in Illinois? This is in Illinois, yes. Is it on one of the big lakes or? Yeah, so in, in yeah. Illinois, for those who don't know, there's something called the Chain of Lakes. Uh-huh. They have in a lot of places, but Illinois has one as well. And it's literally like 13, I want to say 13 to 15 lakes that are conjoined together. That makes just like a huge waterway system. Mm-hmm. So we are on part of that Chain of Lakes. Okay, wow. So that's got to be a great place. Is your clientele mostly uh, summer or is it, uh, it year round? You know, so summers are like our big season. That's like where we just have the best time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, winter is slower, but there's still always something mm-hmm. for somebody. There's always like bachelorette parties, birthday celebrations, funerals. Like there's always something that people yeah. need to gather in, you know, with, with a big property. Yeah, and you've and you've got a Nigel property for a, for a lot of uh, variety there. I'm thinking two acres there on the lake. Not only could you have wedding parties, but I bet you could set up a, a wedding venue. Have you ever tried that? Not at this property, but we are doing that at a different property that I manage uh-huh. on the same lake. Yeah, um, we are doing one in literally two weeks from now. Wow! Wow! Great. Well, interesting how how you've gone into that. Not you weren't planning to be short term rentals, but you came across a property that had lots of potential for that. And it's a good thing you were able to see that. Not everybody would have seen that. They would have just pushed through with a, a fix and flip, which could have been very successful as well. Right. But it's taking you down a whole new trajectory into a, a whole different territory a whole different place. You're still working with that same partner, I'm assuming. So you still have somebody on the ground in that particular area, but you yourself are not in that area. So you're essentially managing these properties from a distance. What's it like to manage Airbnbs at a distance? Yeah. So, so I mean, so for me, like I, I travel quite a bit. So like right now I am near the properties, but it'll only be for like two months. And then I won't be near the properties for another year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is when we first got this property up and running, we actually did a lot of the rehab work ourselves. So we never really got a chance to learn the back end of the, how Airbnb and the management actually works. Mm-hmm. So we were like still putting finishing touches on things like the night before guests were coming. So it was like, okay, guests are coming tomorrow. <laughs> like, what do we need to do? We got to send them this message and this message. So we had no systems or anything set up wow. in the first place. Yeah. And then it's funny, the, the same day we launched Airbnb, I had some friends come visit me in Illinois and we'd be hanging out on our boat, hang, you know, just having a good time. And I get a message from the guest. Hey, where is this? I need this. You don't have wine glasses. You don't have forks, all the, all these things. Uh-huh. I'm like, shoot, I forgot. To, I forgot to get all those things because I wasn't focused on that at the time. Yeah. So then I realized also I was, I happened to be local at the time, but I was going back to Florida for school like two months later, not even one month later. So I realized like I need to have better systems. I need to have systems in general in place and people in place. So I don't have to be the one running back and forth because I couldn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, how did you come to find out these back end systems? Where did you find them? How'd you put them in place? What are those systems? 
Yeah. So it was honestly all trial and error. Pretty much all trial and error, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, just watching other people, seeing what they do. But the main thing is what I call, well, it's called the channel manager. So we use a company called hospitable.com. And what they do is they connect our Airbnb and VRBO listing together. So if Airbnb gets booked, it's automatically locked on Verbo. It'll automatically send messages to the guest. It'll change our pricing. So it's synced on both platforms. It's just the backend system for our operation, essentially. So that's like the probably the biggest tool out of them all that has saved us from not having to be in the business too much because a lot of it's automated. Well, that takes care of the administration. But in an Airbnb, there's going to be constant people coming in and out. That means constant cleaning and maintenance. So how are you taking care of the actual on-the-ground management of the property? Yeah, so on on the ground, we have like two to three main people, depending on what market and, and who's actually there. We have our cleaners, number one. They are there cleaning the property. They're the most important piece to have because they're going to be there more than I am. So that's one part of the team, the the cleaners. And actually with hospitable.com, just a quick note, it messages our cleaners automatically to say, hey, we just got a new reservation. This is when you need to clean. So that's kind of a cool little thing too. So we have our cleaners there. We have our handymen. So when things break, someone's got to fix it. And then in some markets, we have what, what we call a runner. And what a runner is, is basically kind of what it sounds like. Someone, it's kind of like a hybrid between, and this could be the cleaner, could be the handyman, but it's someone like, hey, the propane tank is empty. Can you go to Home Depot, grab a new one and bring one back? Or, hey, the door lock isn't working or, you know, we need a key duplicated. Can you go duplicate a key? So that type type of person. Okay. So you're actually still using keys rather than digital locks? I guess that wasn't a great (laughs) example. We we always have backup keys for our properties Uh just in case our smart locks don't work. But no, we we have smart locks for all of our properties. And then we always have backups because it's not really a matter of if the smart locks don't work, but like when they don't work. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't, we've actually had one or two incidences where the backup came in clutch. Smart locks are great, but it's technology. So they're going to break at some point and not work one time when you need it. So we always have backup keys. Yeah, they can be. They can be confusing for some people. Yeah. So you've you've scaled this in really just a few years uh, time. So I am assuming, Bailey, that you are using various different types of financing. What are you, what kind of financing are you finding for these properties? Yeah. So for the first for the for the six properties that I bought, we've done um, one deal cash. We've done two subject two deals. And the other ones were seller financed. And then for the co-hosting, for the management, mm-hmm. I don't buy the property. That's just managing for them. So no financing needed. Yeah. So you're talking about subject to and owner financing. Uh, what are you using for down payments on those? Whatever we can negotiate. So we've done as little as just like 0% down, just giving the you know, just $500 earnest money and give nothing, nothing else. So 500 bucks down. We've done 10% down and that's that's pretty much it. I've only done 10% and just 500 bucks. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, what are the terms? Yeah, so every deal is different. We've had deals. So all the interest rates, we've done 3% for owner financing. For the length of the term, that just depends on the property. Mm-hmm. We've done anything from two years to 10 years on those. So that's okay. like the payback period for those listening. Those that's just like how long we have to pay back the entire loan is between two and ten years. 
And to pay it back, we do need to sell the property or refinance it into longer term debt. I don't recommend anyone do like the, the longer the term you have, the better. So for that two year one, that was just one property we did. All the other ones are five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we already, we, the, the reason why we did two years, our plan was to sell it literally immediately. So it could have been a one year term and we would have been fine with it because we literally bought it, cleaned it and sold it. So uh-huh. two years was like plenty of time. And we bought it way lower than what we could even sold it for, even if the market went down 50%. So yeah. The longer the term, the better, though. Well, Bailey, I'm assuming that you're getting these very motivated sellers because you have a robust marketing process. But take us through your marketing. Yeah, so for marketing, we have kind of a two-step approach. The first step is texting because that's just the most efficient use of our time is to text hundreds of people at one time. And what will happen is we'll send out a text message to bunch of people who have their houses vacant. And we find that information from sites like PropStream or Batch Leads. And when we get those information, we'll text them and we'll say, hey, Alan, I saw your house on 123 Main Street. I was wondering if you're interested in selling it. We just kept you know, different messages, but we found the simpler, the better. Mm-hmm. And out of the 2,000 people we would send the text blast out to, we'd get between 200 and 400 responses. So from those 200 uh, to 400 sorry, what responses- was What was that again? The, what was that? How many did you send out? So we'd send out 2,000. 2,000, and you get so about a 1% we get, rate we get, of return. Um, yeah, that's good. That's, good. So that's about 10%. Yeah. About 10%. Oh, okay. 10 to 20%. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, there, out of the 10 I mean, to 20% that would reply, they uh-huh. wouldn't all reply in a positive manner. So we get a lot of like <laughs> FUs, stop, oh, oh, not yeah, interested. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was just kind of the umbrella response rate. Uh-huh. But then from those two to 400 people that said F you, blah, 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 about 40%, sorry, not 40%, 40 of those people okay. would then say, yes, I'm interested. Or they'll, they'll uh-huh. say something that, that isn't rude or is actually like, <laughs> oh, I'm interested. I'm, in, I'm open to talk. Uh-huh. Then we got so 40 people from that. Okay. So that, that's more of like 10%. I guess it's like 2%. If my math is right, 2% yeah. of 2,000. Two percent, yeah, something like that. And then, um, out of those forty people, we could typically close one to two deals from that. Those were kind of the metrics we saw. Uh, yeah, well, that that that's those are those are pretty good response rates. I, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way marketing is. So, what are you using for your texting? Are you you're not entering two thousand of those one at a time? Are you? Yeah, no, 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 no. We, we use a software called Launch Control. What launch is it? Control. Launch. What is the software? What, what, yeah. La- launch Control. Launch Control. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard Batch Leads is also, Batch Messaging is also a good one, but we haven't used them. Okay. Well, excellent. Doing uh, some great work there. Impressive work. Thank you. What do you mean by sourcing deals? What was the question? Sourcing deals. What is that? What do you mean when you're talking about sourcing the deals? Yeah. Sourcing deals is all about just finding good deals. So, uh-huh. you know, you can, there might be hundred people that want to sell, but you have to source, you have to find ones that actually, it, that actually make sense that are actually deals. You have a lot of people that sell and a lot of people that buy, and maybe they'll buy above market price or maybe they'll get bad terms on it. So to me, that's not a deal. That's a bad deal. I guess it's a deal. It's just a bad deal. I'm looking to source and find good deals. 
either properties that are below value or I can get ridiculous terms on. So these 40 that respond positively to the text, how do you start the conversations with these people? Yeah. So the people that respond positively to the text, what we do is we just move them over to Podio, which we use for the CRM. And we'll just, we'll just call them and say, Hey, Alan, they'll be like, yeah. Like, Oh yeah, this is Bailey. We just text him back and forth. Just want to reach out to you and have a conversation about your property. And then we were we we would look for a couple main things. We'd want to know the condition of the property, their motivation, how much they're looking to sell their property for, and how fast they're looking to get out. Those were like the four main things we were looking for. So we just get in, in in conversation. So Alan, you know, tell me a little bit more about your house. Yeah, man, it's just completely beat up and it's just terrible. Oh, gotcha. So you know, are you looking to sell? Yeah, we're 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 we 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 really want to sell. Totally understand. What, what are you looking to get it for the property? You know, and you just kind of get in conversation naturally with those questions and asking follow-up questions and stuff like that. Well, excellent process you have there. And I know I know you, you work it consistently and I know it takes a lot of work to do that. Thank you, Bailey, for uh, sharing all that information. Share with us now how it is that we can get in touch with you and take advantage of your experience. For sure. Yeah, best way to get in touch is through either Instagram, TikTok, if you don't have either of those Facebook works, but on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is the underscore Bailey underscore Kramer. You'll see me on there. You can just message me on Instagram to get in touch. Well, wonderful. Bailey, thanks so much for being with us today. It has been a pleasure getting to know you and exciting to hear all of the wonderful things you're doing and have going on in your life there. So thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.